0: Hey, this is Art just dropping in real quick here. Saying, Hey, Capra Fools, I guess. Uh, or Switcheroo, I don't know, whatever. I'm doing the Switcheroo thing uh, with I am a sophisticate, and so can you. And as you'll tell from the title, they're talking about uh, Tyler's version, which is like that. Y- you know, when Taylor Swift... Why I say Tyler? Okay, whatever. Taylor, <laughs> Taylor's version. Uh, you know when Taylor Swift got screwed out of all of her master's recordings, and then she re-recorded them? Or uh, currently? of Like, you, you know, whatever. Listen to the episode. You'll learn more about it. Uh, yeah. These people talk about things that, you know, people talk about but they haven't experienced and i think that's a good thing to do so maybe follow the link in the description and you'll you know see more of them yeah well here 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 you go bye forever
1: Welcome to I Am a Sophisticated and So Can You, a very special episode.
2: Yes, a very special episode indeed. We are breaking into our own timeline because it's an emergency.
1: It it is a swift emergency. Yeah,
2: there's a Taylor emergency happening in real time. I am one of your hosts, Anthony. I'm Sydney.
1: And this is I'm a Sophisticated So Can You, Taylor's version. We're talking about Taylor Swift this week.
2: Yeah, at the time of this recording, we're happily working away on this project. And the world as we know it has just really been flipped upside down by the release of Red, Taylor's version. Yes. And I just felt that as people talking about things... It would be a grave miscalculation for us not to address this immediately.
1: I agree. What happened was we were preparing for our last episode, Garbage and Jennifer's Body, when in the middle of a workday, you called me out of the blue. You were out of town, which is already unusual because you don't like to talk on the phone and neither do I.
2: I. That's what I needed to do.
1: Yeah, to convey the gravity of the situation, you called me, I picked up the phone, and you were like, Anthony, Anthony. Anthony, we need to cover Taylor Swift. I have already listened to two albums. We need to cover Taylor Swift, and, and I it was said, like, well, "Okay, why?"
2: But we already like we already know what Taylor Swift is, and that's why there's no like before piece of this episode.
1: Right? Exactly, we- because like
2: we already know. I would venture to say every person that has ever had a radio signal for more than a couple of minutes at any point in the last decade.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Knows what Taylor Swift is. So like, why why do we need to do that? But I just think there's a, such an important shift happening for her right now. Should we talk about our relationships? Yeah. Taylor Swift as as case studies you and then go. sort of generalize out.
1: Yeah, you should go first, though.
2: Okay, I'm going to warn all the listeners, there's no way I'm going to get through this episode without talking a lot also about Kesha and Lady Gaga and probably, to a certain extent, Carly Rae Jepsen. (laughs) So, I I wonder how profoundly it has affected my life that I was born two years before Taylor Swift. (laughs) Because it makes a big difference, I think, in, like, how you view, like, okay... So the first time I became aware of Taylor Swift was when Love Story came out. So she had already had a whole country album that came out that I didn't even fucking notice because I don't listen to country music. Love Story hit the pop charts and I was like, oh, that's cute. But I saw her even though she was only two years younger than me. I saw her as, like, a cute little upstart. Like, I saw her almost as, like, Billie Eilish. Like, I admire her very much, but, like, she is a child to me. Sure. I was like, this is a cute little song. Like, I'll enjoy it, but, like, a little bit ironically. Whereas, like, at the very same time, I was enjoying Lady Gaga songs, like, full sincerity.
1: Right, and Lady Gaga, I think, is, like, two years older than you.
2: yeah. And, like, I tied up a lot of identity with, like, the songs and the imagery and the, like, going to the gay clubs and listening to the songs. And I will say also, at that time, the music that was being released and the place that I was in in my life. Lady Gaga was talking about whatever the fuck weird shit she was talking about. Like, inscrutable metaphors. Yes. <laughs> Kesha was talking about smuggling liquor into parties that she was not invited to. And those things felt very relevant to my life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yes.
2: Those were both like things that I was really like, yeah, that felt like immediately like close to me. And Taylor Swift was singing about like whether high school boys liked her or not. Like a lot of boy problems. The other one was the short skirts and the t-shirts? Yeah, uh, You Belong With Me. That is still Fearless, right? That's Yeah,
1: they're both on Fearless. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. And that's a great song. That just wasn't where I was in my life. I was in like, we take the drinks from the tables when you get up and leave them. Like, that was so much closer to my experience. Yeah. So Taylor Swift was kind of like over there and I just thought of her as like, I don't know, I just didn't see her. I didn't see her as like the threat that she would become. I took some notes for this one if you would like to know and one of the pages is my the history of my opinion of Taylor Swift in five songs (laughs) the first is love story and the next one is we are never ever getting back together and when that came out I was like if I'm gonna go around defending Kesha at tech bro parties because at the time it was very fashionable like when Kesha was very popular it was also very popular to just like Bring her up in a negative way for no reason. Just like as an example of like the way society is falling apart. Why? I don't know. People just really like to do that. They like to be like, hey, here's a here's an example of like the utter trash that falls from people's brains. Like, here's here's how we know that every that things only get worse. We used to have Bob Dylan, and now we have this garbage. And I would take that bait every single time, and I would be like, Sir. That woman is a goddamn singer-songwriter, and you are not paying attention. Like, if that's what you think, you don't know what cleverness is. You don't know what good writing is. You don't know what, like, creativity is. <laughs> like, you're not paying good attention. I guess I was like, if I'm going to go around making enemies with the host <laughs> every time I go to a, party, a house party in San Francisco <laughs> as a friend of a friend of a friend... <laughs> I need to start having the same kind of respect for Taylor Swift because she is also just an unstoppable songwriter. Because that was the first thing that I really, not the first thing, but the, the thing that really like bound me first to Kesha is that I was like, Oh, they're, every song is good. It's always good. Right. She just, just got the magic in her. And I was like, I think I have to admit that even though it's less to my taste, that is also true about Taylor Swift. I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Would you like to tell me your early yes. chapter of Taylor Swift? So
1: Taylor Swift started blowing up when I was still in college and I just like didn't really care. I heard Love Story and I heard You Belong With Me. Like those are the ones that I knew. I didn't really get Love Story because I would only hear it like at part, like I never sat down and listened to it. So I would only hear it at parties. Yeah. And people would always go hard on the end where it's like, oh, marry me, Juliet, blah, 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 blah. Which a little pretentious 19 year old version of me would always roll my eyes and be like, God fucking missing the point of Romeo and Juliet here because I was a fucking nightmare.
2: Yeah. Um, it's not a very good use of reference, but it is a very good turn in the song. And that's what I admired about it. And that's that's going to come up again in this conversation. I think that's one of her greatest things that she brings to songwriting. Honestly, I think it's just a trick from country songwriting that she is like, why don't you guys do this in pop songs? I'm just going to do it and blow your minds again. Like, it never, it never stops. But you're always like, how'd you do that, Taylor? And I'm like, I'm just going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah. So after I graduated, moved out to San Francisco... I started listening to this one particular podcast that the hosts were these two Gen X men who just hated Taylor Swift, just hated her and would do exactly what you're describing with Kesha, but with Taylor Swift. And they like kept track of all of the people that she was dating and breaking up with and like any gossip story about her being rude to someone always made the podcast. They called her Tadolf Switler. That was the nicest thing they called her.
2: What the fuck?
1: Yeah. And so I then- No,
2: that's like actually like, that is the thing that I'm talking about. When people need you to know that they hate something for no reason, it's always actually misogyny.
1: And that's what I was going to say. Like I yeah. became a data point in your theory because there were a couple of years where I just like for no good reason did not like Taylor Swift.
2: It was passed to you from these- men who for some other reason you
1: right and i just like took it very uncritically but then as i got older it moved back to like oh like then 1989 came out shake it off happened and I didn't really like the song Shake It Off then. For reasons I could
2: not name but can name now, I still don't really like the song Shake It Off. Okay, Shake It Off is not one of the five songs that is in my the story of me and Taylor Swift, but I will say I in my little notes. <laughs> I have like a little heading for like notes for what happens in all the albums. In 1989, I was like, I have too many notes just for Shake It Off, so I'm gonna like break off just for Shake It Off. And then I had too many notes, I had to do another breakaway just for the breakdown of Shake It Off, because there's just so much there. But we'll get there. We'll get back to that.
1: Yeah. And then after I sort of got older, dismissed my like unnecessary early 20s dislike of Taylor Swift for no reason stopped listening to that podcast. And I think it very quickly faded away. Then it just became like, oh, Taylor Swift came out with a new album. Okay. And then... So around 2019, I would hear songs of hers and be like, oh, that's really good. That's really good too. From like her, pretty much her entire catalog. And I would just start throwing them into like my workout mixes. So I was like, oh, Taylor Swift, she's got some some good songs. Yeah. Which basically brings us to now where I have now listened to, I think with the exception of one with her first album, all of Taylor Swift.
2: Oh, you never listened to the first one?
1: No, I didn't get to it. I wanted to re-listen to Red Taylor's. I understand. I wanted to no, there's, to more. there's
2: more important things to do. So the big turning point for me was Blank Space.
1: That's a good song.
2: This whole time that I was like, okay, I have to stop pretending that she isn't like one of the greatest songwriters of our time. If I'm going to be a fan of pop music and I'm going to hold up Kesha and Carly Rae Jepsen as these like geniuses of our time, I have to acknowledge Taylor Swift in the same way, but she's just like kind of not my guy. And one of the reasons for that is that I just felt like, I just felt like she kind of didn't get it. Blank Space dropped and it is not only a perfect pop song it is chock full of clever ass lines which was which is what I was always praising Kesha for every line is clever and it's full of like her being all of a sudden she's like self-aware she's like talking about herself and her own history and her role in projecting an image like the way I've been hearing for years Lady Gaga talking about like art directing her whole life mm-hmm. I always thought that was very cool like making her life into performance art like obviously that's very burdensome but it's interesting to her and it was interesting to me and Taylor Swift was always like no I'm just a little girl from what up and blank space was the first time that I felt like she was saying things like like she has a lyric that's like and by this time she has been publicly criticized many times for like dating around or whatever she says something about, like, find out what he wants, be that girl for a month. I was like, okay. That was the first time that I was like, no, she does get it. She does get it, and she's, like, starting to lift the veil a little bit. And that that really drew me in on not just what a good writer she is, but her ability to, like, share of herself, which was important to me. So that was a turning point. So then I was like, okay, I'm on board with you, Taylor Swift. But I still didn't, like, go back... And do a deep dive on all the albums. But then when Lover came out, for some reason, I decided to listen all the way through instead of just to the singles. And I had a similar reaction to The Archer. There are a lot of lyrics in it that are like, whoa, Taylor Swift. Like It's just some of the most revealing writing, I think, that I'd heard from her thus far. And I, and I found that really like, <sighs> brave has become such a loaded word. But... It was risky. That's what I thought it was. I felt like like one of the reasons I couldn't connect to her is I just felt like I'd been seeing such a veneer of her. I was like, yeah, okay, she's a genius. You just put in a little um a little men upsetting her, and out you get brilliant songs, and it's a a perfect machine. You can't break it. And that's when I I started to see like the human, the woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> the last one, obviously. Is an all too well 10 minute version. I think we should both talk about where we were and what that song did to us.
1: <laughs> okay, so I think before we do that, it would be good to at least nod to our format and on the count of imaginary four, now that we've listened to all the Taylor Swift, what do we think of Taylor Swift?
2: Okay, one, two, three, fucking incredible. The best. You're fucking yeah. incredible. Like, what yeah. was I doing? Like, yeah,
1: I wasted so much time. Yeah. How did I decide to hate Taylor Swift? the year Red came out. Like, what the fuck is wrong with 22-year-old me? I will
2: at least give myself the credit that I never hated her. And I was saying to people that she was one of the greatest songwriters of our generation, even when I wasn't listening to as much of her music. But I do think it's, like, wild of me that I, like, go around in my car, like, scrolling through, like, the Kesha albums and the Carly Rae Jepsen albums and being like, I love these, but I've listened to them too many times. Like, wish there was more of this. Like... guess there's not and like it's never once occurred to me to just like go listen to all of taylor swift is it all just because shake it off is annoying like is it all shake it off's fault i i blame shake it off and bad blood i I don't like those bad blood it was a a low point a low point sometimes I, i look at stuff and i'm like she never makes a wrong move but sometimes now that i have listened to all the albums all the way through i'm like I'm not sure all these choices were correct.
1: Yeah, but she's got over 200 songs and it's amazing that we have like a handful of ones we don't like and most of them are fine to incredible.
2: Yeah, like her worst song is like like a good song.
1: Yeah, it's still a good pop song. It's just not a good Taylor Swift song.
2: Like what do you think is Taylor Swift's worst song? I think it's Bad Blood. Bad Blood is up there for me. Do you know what else is up there for me? And it was also a single look what you made me do.
1: Look what made, made me do isn't my favorite either, but I didn't mind it as much. I
2: definitely, that song came out and I was like, this album is not going to be for me at all. And now I do think that album is like a little like not, and it's weird that it came out in 2017. It's like a little late for that vibe. Mm-hmm. There's a couple tracks on it that I really like. And I think if they'd come out and like, 2014, I would have been like, I love these songs, but I never had that chance because it came out in 2017. And my introduction to it was Look What You Made Me Do. And I was like, this is an annoying song. And I never engaged with the album at all. And I just like kind of ignored her until lover.
1: Since you were asking what we felt when we started this project, I started this project, I was like, Okay, I should start with red because that's that's the
2: thing of the moment yeah
1: that's the thing of the moment i want to do the original version because i'd never sat down and listened to any taylor swift album all the way through put it on and by the end of state of grace which is the first song i was like oh this is different than what i thought this is not what i was expecting at all and it is so we were talking weeks ago about how Taylor Swift and Tom Waits actually have a lot more in common than you would think. Well, we,
2: yeah. When I called Anthony and I was like, we need to do Taylor Swift. I was like, and we need to give her the full Tom Waits. <laughs> yes. Like I, the way we're going to cover her mm-hmm. is that we're going to listen to every fucking
1: Which is a lot thing. easier of an ask for someone who has- There's
0: not as much.
1: Less than 10 albums, yeah. counting her own versions. Yeah. Also, I will say, this is an aside- If you haven't listened to our Tom Waits episode, please go back and listen to it because it is bonkers, but I have a feeling that it is going to inform a lot of the way we approach our musical criticism on this show because I felt like it cracked my brain open in some really good ways of just like letting someone really be themselves at me for a really long time. Yes. (laughs) And just being okay with it. Which is what Taylor Swift is. And she has that same... I said it to you, like, after listening to just a couple of her albums, she has that same uh, ability to be really hyper-specific that Tom Waits does. She's just hyper-specific about different things. She's more of an optimist. Absolutely. Like, if Tom Waits were a 30-year-old optimistic woman instead of a 70-year-old pessimistic man, he would sound a lot more like Taylor Swift, putting the experimental stuff aside.
2: And they are both... Something that's appealing about both of them is they're both really not shy about their own emotional pain.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're really willing to put it out there.
2: And not in a way that's coming once again from, like, team. Gaga, Team Kesha, not that there's Team's female competition is a fallacy of the patriarchy. But like, I think those are two artists who are, who tend to be a little more guarded. And when we get some vulnerability from them, it feels like, I love it. It feels like really special and it feels like they really thought it through. It feels like we were really like trusted with Something. And that is one way to have like a special, beautiful relationship with an artist's like gooey underbelly. Yeah. But that's not the way Taylor Swift is. Taylor no. Swift is like, it's out there, man. Like I get hurt. I get hurt and I'm going to talk about it.
1: And much like Tom Waits, if you think that she yeah, is. Yeah. Tom being... Waits is like that too. Yeah. And if you think that she is being just frivolous and silly, she's not. I get the feeling listening to her music that she she means what she is talking about every time, even if it's not something that has specifically happened to her. And this might be a good time to talk about this. I get frustrated talking about Taylor Swift, because I think that a lot of the historic criticism of Taylor Swift has come from like, at least from me when I was younger, I was like, well, she's singing about all these things that like, didn't actually happen to her like the things that she's talking about couldn't like, possibly happen. Like, she didn't happen. really
2: go to high school.
1: Right, exactly. She, like,
2: like, she, I don't know exactly when she dropped out, but, like, she became famous.
1: Halfway through high school, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And, like, all of these stories, I'm like, these can't have all happened to you. There's no way, like, where you are in your life is not this person. You know, compare that to, like, Adele, where everything is kind of ripped from her own personal headlines.
2: I don't know. Adele talks about landlines. <laughs> It, that is the perception that she puts out there Adele, she's like you've never had a landline true that's the
1: that's the vibe that she puts out is like these are all from yeah. my life yeah yeah, yeah. but then it's only recently where emotionally like, i think it's true yeah and then it's only recently where i've been like wait a minute beyonce was not single for single ladies <laughs> the fuck am i doing no, like it, what, no. what 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 is, this is not a criticism this no. is not fair
2: no no We ask these things, I mean, this is a tangent you could spin me right off on, but like I went to writing school once and we would workshop classes are, you bring in pages and you're like, is this good? And you talk about them. And I found people bring in pages where stuff happens in them. They're like, here's my pages. And nobody ever fucking asks a man oh, is it because this is you? That never happened. And all the time. All the time. Women would come in with stories that represented disordered eating or gendered violence or even just like stories of being a child of violence. And the workshop class would be like, so, let me ask you so I can best serve the piece, like, is this based on your experience? Men never got those questions, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's the same it's the same fucking shit,
1: yeah. It's the same double standard of like expecting everything to be confessional, yeah, and it just it can't be it can't be. it shouldn't be. But I feel like Taylor Swift, you were telling me seemed like she was kind of stuck pretending like it was for a long time,
2: oh. Yeah, well, because I heard this interesting thing because, well, so let's talk about the COVID albums real fast. I really like the COVID albums. I'm excited that they're happening at the same time as the re-releases and there's all this from the vault stuff because like what I want from her also are like bops and that's not, the COVID albums are not giving me like bops. Yeah. (laughs) But I do think that some of the strongest writing she's ever done, I do think that she's like really growing as like a poet. Yeah. And I feel like I see a journey even just from folklore to Evermore. Like, if you think of a Taylor Swift song, you think of her, like, explaining all the circumstances, like, this is the situation, this is what everyone was wearing, this is everyone's motivations, here's everyone's names. Now that I've set everything up, I will give you all the events in order, you will understand the stakes... And it's, like, that is an effective way of storytelling. Like, it works, obviously. Like, yeah. like the songs are good. Mm-hmm. But I think she's playing now more with, like, giving you less mm-hmm. and letting it just kind of letting you, like...
1: Fill in the gaps. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like, there's just some songs that are, like, what exactly is the situation is less important than the really lovely and specific observations that she's made. Like, I wanted to bring up the song Illicit Affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I just think it's... So I have had an illicit affair, and I doubt that Taylor Swift has, and certainly not in the way that she describes. Like, I don't think she's had an illicit affair that involved parking lots.
1: <laughs> right.
2: At least maybe things that she's felt she needs to keep from the almost certainly things that she's felt she needs to keep from the press and we'll get to that later because we're gonna get to the gay stuff but like some of the ways she describes the the depletion of the soul yeah (laughs) that happens around cheating so when I had my thing I was like this is this is terrible this is awful but I also a part of me was like All writers should do this because, (laughs) (laughs) like, because it is so taboo and we are so discouraged from empathizing with it. Like, you're not supposed to even say that you understand how someone could, like, we're so discouraged from, like, even admitting that we get it. You know what I mean? It's just, like, such a thing that's, like, stay the fuck away from that shit. So, anyway, I just feel like she's really growing as a writer. And even on Evermore, I feel like she's getting, like, even farther away from, like, her personal and into these, like, weird, like, dreamy, dreamy little scapes where we're only getting half the picture or the picture from one angle, but it's still, like, telling an emotional, like, as a... As a theater major, you know, instead of a kitchen sink drama, maybe, uh-huh. it's like more of a a little etude.
1: Yeah. What is it? Representational versus presentational?
2: Yes. Yes. Or just like you let your brain do some more. Uh-huh. And if some of your brains do some different stuff, like that's where art happens, baby. Uh-huh. And I think that for a writer so sophisticated as her, I think that's a really interesting direction for her to spread her wings and i'm like really excited about that because mm-hmm. there is going to be a third album of that i think it's been like sleuthed by like the taylor nation like the like nerds swift nation yeah i don't know how to do it but i know how to watch tiktoks about people who do it and there's like they've like snuffled around like little truffle pigs and they figured out that there's going to be one more album that is that and, it, and that it's going to be called seashore
1: oh i like that so folklore, evermore, and seashore.
2: Yeah, I think the assumption is that it was gonna. It doesn't matter how they got there, but but I trust them because mm-hmm. they seem like they know. They did the work. They know how she how she scatters her clues, mm-hmm. and they gathered the clues, and that's what they came up with. Yeah, which is great. Okay. What were we, if we follow the breadcrumbs back? Oh boy. What were we talking about before we were like, let's talk about the COVID album?
1: I might have been eating the breadcrumbs like a tiny bird.
2: Nom, 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 nom. I know that I wanted us to both say where we were when we were struck by the lightning bolt that is All Too Well, All Too Well 10 Minute Version.
1: All Too Well 10 Minute Version, Taylor's version. I was on the plane back from Seattle was when I got the chance to listen to that. I mean I thought it was incredible. I listened to the original all too well just like a few days before I had listened to the original one and that was the first time I had ever heard it.
2: Oh right, because you listened to the original Red.
1: I would listen to the original Red first and then I and then, listened to Okay yeah 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 over the For, course like, of the next research. Yeah, because I had never heard it. I had only heard like a couple yeah. of the singles.
2: I just knew because I'd listened to I listened to both fearlesses to see if I could discern a single difference in recording. And because I couldn't, I was like, I don't need to listen to the first red like it's gonna sound exactly the same. It's just gonna have all the new stuff. Yeah. So I didn't do that. But anyway, go on.
1: So I was struck by the original All Too Well, which so I feel like is more of a meaningful feeling, because I had never heard any version of it. That was, I think, the point where I was like, I was bopping along, I was having fun, and that was the point where I was like, okay. And it wasn't like, all right, you've won me over, lady. It was like, okay, I just saw you write like four bops in a row, and this is just incredible songwriting. Moving without being schmaltzy, like she toes every line and hits every note perfectly emotionally.
2: It's a a perfect portrait it does everything that it needs to do mm-hmm. like it's a perfect piece of writing like forget songs like i like she could she should get into yale right so i was just hanging out at home and tiktok was taken over by like this 10 minute version and i was like and i had never heard the original version because it wasn't a single so i didn't even know so i was like okay let me listen to this but like the way people are talking about it it seems extreme and I know Taylor Swift fans and they're like- They can get a little intense. They can get intense. And and I know how, I, I know how much I respect her and I think it's going to be a good song. And I'm sure she can pull off 10 minutes of material and I'm excited to listen to it. But like, I remember Shake It Off and the song will have no effect on me. It's not going to be a big deal. And then I put on the song and then 10 minutes later I was just like bawling into my hands. <laughs> <laughs> just like weeping. I was just like, wow, she got me. And it was like a combination of like how well the story was told. I felt like she really brought me in. Whenever anyone invokes their parents in things, that's a great way to like bring my emotions to the surface. And she, she does do that in that song. And like having come as far as I have with her and like my respect for her as a writer coming, like stepping up and up and my walls with her as a person, sort of crumbling and crumbling this 10 minute song just like really was like this cathartic culmination of like i'm here now taylor Mm -hmm. i am here now i know i just made another like deranged game of thrones reference like really recently but i feel like all too well 10 minute version is like her like slicing the night king just like stabbing him into a million pieces and i'll tell you why
1: is the night king jake chillin
2: no the night king is a, a storytelling promise that this person is capable of this and so our song is the slamming screen door which you didn't listen to but i
1: have heard that song so i do know what you're it's talking a, about but
2: it's a great song it's a really impressive song. The album I did listen to the album in it, but it felt like homework, but that song is a great song and it's a really impressive song for like a 15-year-old girl to have written. Our song is the Slamming Green Door is Arya Stark hitting that target the first time we meet her when Ned is like, I don't know, not everybody can hit targets all the time and she's like, I fucking can. It's like a promise on like no, this person has all of the promise within her. And then All Too Well 10-Minute Version is the show of our lives, of the music industry being like, we didn't fuck this one up. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like
1: she has survived to be everything we wanted her to be.
2: Because they did fuck other ones up. Oh, yeah. Because we lost Kesha.
1: (laughs) She came back, but we lost her for a while.
2: Yeah, she came back and she's... The thing I want to lean on is that it's like, that's the one we deliver. It's more about like, of all the things that the Game of Thrones writers promised us and then dropped between their clumsy little hands, that's what they brought us home. And of all the things that the music industry has been like, here you go, this is going to be good forever. And then they've fumbled the ball. This, they didn't, not because of them, because of her. She just never fumbled. She just continued to be so good and like hone her craft until it's the best ten-minute song that's ever been written, and it unseats American Pie. And she's the queen of fucking recording, and everyone else needs to sit down and listen to what she says.
1: And she's thirty-two years old.
2: Yeah. No,
1: I I, I absolutely agree. And I think part of it is because she is this, like, emotional Trojan horse where because she came from the country, the country scene, she's able to create this sound that is, like, so easy for people to listen to. And, like, yeah, you know, she can't not create a bop, but she's able to, like, draw on, like, the lyrical complexity of the country and, like, the country song structure and then create this incredibly...
2: I think it's the turn, it's the change in perspective that she does a lot. Like, in the bridge, all of a sudden, it'll be like, if you take Betty, for example, like, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it's like, we're not just talking about the party, we're, it's the night of the party. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, things like that, I think Gaga's not doing that. I think that's something that people really respond to.
1: Yeah, and I think it does, I think it's because she grew up in a different musical tradition. Yeah. But she was able to... And I think this is why I love Red so much is because that's the bridge. That's where you see the the perfect alchemy happening of her taking all those things that she was doing and just like, as you say, shifting the perspective on them enough to create something that feels so new. Even now, 10 years later, listening to it, it just, it feels so smart and so brilliant and not dated at all. You know, the only way you know that she didn't record it this year is because her songs are about turning 21 and 22 and not 31 and 32. Like she could have recorded them. She could have written them six months ago and you wouldn't know.
2: I think so. I think some of them from the vault stuff is not really from the vault.
1: No, but you know what I mean? Like State of Grace could have been written this year. Yeah. Whereas some of the songs that I like less feel very of their time in a way that they just haven't aged as well. I don't want to spend too much time talking about what we don't like about Taylor Swift. First of all, because I don't have that much to say. But I do think she had this moment that I think is worth talking about where she did write some songs, not all of her songs, but she did write some songs in a way that didn't sound like her anymore. Like, I think that's my problem with-
2: The Reputation era?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Shake It Off and Bad Blood do it, and they're both on 1989. Oh, I think
2: Shake It Off sounds like her. I just think it's a ridiculous song. (laughs) That bridge has so many, I was like, don't forget to say the thing about the hella good hair. And then I was like, don't forget to say that. It's just like, so there's so many parts of it that are so embarrassing. And I was like, don't forget to say the the thing about her saying like, you could have been getting down to this sick beat. And then I was like, I listened to it again. And I was like, listen, if you say both those things, you're going to forget to say, hey, hey, hey. Like it's, (laughs) it never quits. It never quits. And not in a good way. That breakdown is one of the most embarrassing things that I think has ever been recorded by any person, but I do actually, I disagree with you a little bit and I do think that the song is pretty fun.
1: Sometimes in those couple of albums, she was like, oh, well, these haters are just trying to front on me and it used to be mad love and I'm like, that is a way of writing and that is a way of talking that is completely legitimate. However, Taylor... That's not how you write and that's, that's not true. that's not why we're here with you.
2: That's true and as I recall the Shake it off video is also very embarrassing. I think we should talk about Taylor Swift's feminism journey because I think it's another thing that really kept me from connecting with her for a long time because I think that there were other artists in her milieu that I have mentioned who were very outspoken about like m- women's issues and taylor swift kind of of necessity but i don't want to totally give her an out on it but just like it's part of the path of being the like oh little old me is dodging all those questions and there are some interviews that from a modern perspective are like pretty gross and embarrassing where she says things like where people are like do you consider yourself a feminist and she's like i don't think feminism is necessary like and that is a bummer and i don't think that we should ignore that. And I don't think that now when I'm like, I'm such an idiot, why didn't I love Taylor Swift? I think that I should give past me a little bit of credit that I was like, oh no, there there is something that's... I didn't feel as safe with her as I felt with Lady Gaga and Kesha and like Rihanna and honestly, even Beyonce.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Even though she doesn't always give me a reason. It's just the... The vibe. The vibe.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And I would like to give myself some credit and say that that was something I was responding to all those years ago, but I don't, I don't think it was. But it doesn't feel good to listen to someone and then have them show up and be like, eh, those things you care about, I don't really care about. Or like, I'm not really thinking critically.
2: And like, again, I was two years older than her. And so like, while I was admiring her work in an industry that I was very emotionally invested in. I just watched her capture the hearts of... I was always like, "Is there? will there ever be a generation that doesn't think the world of Taylor Swift? And so far, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she has successfully captured the hearts of 12-year-olds continuously.
1: And held them.
2: Yes, and held them as they grow, which is, like...
1: Pretty impressive. Good
2: for her. So knowing that at those times, sometimes I was like, I wish she would talk about it differently. I wish she would talk about her process differently she always had this persona that was like everything is so easy for me like she would say things like i never takes me more than 20 minutes to write a song and i thought that now i'm kind of like
1: that's iconic
2: yeah 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 but at the time i was like who would say that to like people who are like struggling to you know what i mean like it felt like tone deaf and then the kesha thing was going on
1: The Dr. Luke lawsuit.
2: Yes. And which I don't know why you would be listening to this and not know this, but Kesha was suing her label to separate her music from the person who had producing, who had been producing her music because he had been abusing her in an ongoing fashion and on at least one occasion drugged her and raped her, which seems like a pretty good reason to me to not have to work with someone anymore. Yes. (laughs) So that happened and she lost. And I was very sad. Taylor Swift, a DJ, grabbed her butt. And that's also not okay. You should not grab people's butts. And she sued the DJ for $1 just to make a point, And she won, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing that she won that lawsuit. Like, she did it to make a point and she made the point, And it is good that the point was made. But it was hard for me because it was like, especially coming from her as this person that's like, everything comes to me so easily that it was like, oh, did you also just make it look so easy to like win in court against abusers? Really? Did you really just like waltz into court and be like, sit down abusers, I win when Kesha has just been in like two rounds of rehab and like hasn't been able to re- release any music in like five years. And like, it was tough for you to swallow. It was hard, and then, and then me too, and then me too. And there was all this speculation from the Kesha community. Everybody was like, oh no, Kesha, if you had just like, you were just like six months too soon, if you had just waited six months. And that always really broke my heart. Like, yes, maybe her outcome would have been different if she had waited a little bit, but also maybe all the outcomes would have been different for me as a woman filled with rage it's like yeah okay it was too soon for me too but it wasn't it wasn't too soon for me right so that made me sad and then time magazine made the co- the cover of time magazine that year was like the women of me too and they put taylor swift because of the butt grabbing lawsuit and they didn't put kesha <laughs> Right. I don't know. It just seemed outrageous to me. It's like, do people know what this woman has been through? Like, so that was hard. However, I do know that IRL, Kesha and Taylor Swift are like actually really tight. <laughs>
1: and Taylor Swift was a really important source of support during that time yes, for
2: Kesha. Yes, and like donated a lot of money to her legal fund. And I think part of the point of the like but lawsuit was like to shore up cases like that. Like I like I think... I think Taylor Swift is capable of a lot of empathy. I don't know if it's the first place that she goes, but I think she is capable of it. And I would just like to say sometimes that even when she was a bad feminist in the press, I think that she was doing good feminism in her songs.
1: We talked a lot about the like, the way she has pegged men for being just like pathologically casual in a way that she is not. And a lot of her songs are like, I don't understand why you're not taking this seriously. And corollary, I don't understand why you're making me feel crazy for taking this seriously.
2: Yes. I feel like even though it wasn't always like super explicit and like she had to go on her own like outside journey or whatever, within her songs when she was writing songs about relationships i feel like she always did a really good job writing about like female strength can be having feelings female strength is not imitating men's stoicism and i think that that's a good a cool point of view for her to have had even when she was so young and even when she was saying when when she didn't know how to say that outside in interviews when she when she wasn't sure what her like politics. uh, I'm doing that. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, voice. And,
1: And I think that as a corollary to that, you had mentioned like, one of the things you like about her songwriting is we know from her public history that at least none of her public relationships have really been that long. But what she's saying in her songwriting, particularly all too well is like relationships do not have to be long. To have an outsized impact on you, yeah. Like something can be formative and brief. Yeah, that is okay.
2: I, I have some. I have so many notes about like how much she likes to talk about war. She really likes to talk about war, and it's like over dramatic, but it's also like, but I like that about her. And also, like, when you're 21 like, and get these dumped, these are my wars. Yeah, these are my wars. She likes to talk about scars, and she likes to talk about scars finding them on someone else, and she likes to talk about them like as if they're literal. And I think that that's like, I don't think it's like too much. I think it's like honoring pain in a way that a lot of people are not willing to do and that she is finding that a lot of her partners are not willing to do and a lot of like men around her are not willing to like, like I think she's finding that she's not being taken seriously except through her work in this way. This this is a time that she could say whatever she wants mm-hmm. and be like, yes, it's fucking damaging Mm -hmm. to be treated this way.
1: Yeah. Even if only for a short time.
2: Yeah. Or even if it's in the breakup of something that is, if it's in the breakup and the other person doesn't seem as...
1: Broken up about it?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, even if it's not affecting the other person, like, I'll be the one that says that I am affected by it. I think that that is... In just in cramming her whole catalog into my brain (laughs) in just a few weeks. It's like one of the things that I felt that I admired about her the most is that she was so like naked about that stuff. And it's like, it's just like, it's just like a different approach to being feminist about it. It's it's a different approach to being, to calling out male privilege basically Mm -hmm. without naming it as such. Yeah she really and from the beginning like even in the very early albums she talks about like men we did not talk about dear john name and names like from the very beginning like saying like these are ways that men behave and it is not a surprise it is not like they are allowed to do this like it's not no nobody expects otherwise of them Mm -hmm. including me really (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it's not and i don't know is this going on in other country music like i guess i'm not super well versed but like to be like men get to move through relationships this way and women have to move through relationships in this way carrying these additional things yeah and i'm not gonna pretend that that is abnormal but i am gonna say that it is unacceptable Mm -hmm. to be saying that from the time that you're 18 even though in the press you're like i don't feminism is i think that's kind of special
1: i think before we get too far down the garden path you wanted to talk about the gay stuff
2: let's talk about the gay stuff okay so there's a lot of speculation especially after the last couple albums and just like other internet digging people who are into taylor swift are like really into taylor swift (laughs) (laughs) and they're like going and looking and there's a lot of gays there's a lot of gays who are really into taylor Swift. And I am a gay and I have recently in the last few weeks become really into her music. But I will tell you right now with an unburdened heart, I don't, I'm not, she's not my type. (laughs) Well,
1: no, she's younger than you.
2: (laughs) Yes, she's two years younger than me. That's enough. Anthony is referring to a handicap I have where I can't, I've never been attracted to a person that is a day younger than me. It's just a fact. I don't know. Something, something happened. I don't know. I don't know. But it's true. So is that why? I don't know, maybe. Honestly, I think it probably is a factor, but I'm just letting you know that I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight, but I do know what it is like. I'm 34, you guys. We used to have nothing. Like, I do know what it is like to search and search and be like, I need this one. Mm -hmm. I need this one.
1: And you've said that to me a couple of times about certain celebrities. Oh, Oh, who? Oh, God. Um, oh, I remember what it was. It was when I was like, oh, did you know that Jillian Anderson was by?" And you were like, Anthony, do not be wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> you you cannot be wrong on this. Anthony, I need yeah. this one. And I was like, I, I'm not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wrong. She's very open about it. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yes. Great example. Because I, yeah, I did need that one. And I could have used it a lot of years sooner. So if you are out there and you are a queer fan and you are searching, you're searching for clues and you're like, is there a chance? Like, I need this one. Like I need it so bad. Like I just want like, <laughs> please let, please let Taylor Swift be a not gay. Like I just like really, <laughs> but you feel like your own judgment is clouded by how much you yearn. I'm here for you as an impartial. I don't know why I know this. I'm, I don't even particularly have great gaydar most of the time. Some people look at a Rubik's cube the first time they see it and they're like, "I think I could solve that," and they just like kind of figure it out. Some people just like see how to do it. Matt Damon looked at that problem on the whiteboard. You mean
1: Goodwill Hunting.
2: Yeah, and he was like, "I think I get it." I listened to Taylor Swift's whole catalog in three weeks, and I watched some minutes of interviews with the actual Taylor Swift, and I watched some minutes of people talking about Taylor Swift. I don't know where this confidence comes from, but I feel, I feel like touched by not, not theory, but, uh, but knowledge. I have the answer.
1: And the answer is?
2: So human sexuality is complicated. And for me to answer that question, even for myself, would be like, I wouldn't even know how to go about doing that. So I'm not, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but I'm not going to try to tell you exactly what Taylor Swift's sexuality is, even though like in a nonverbal way, it is super clear to me. But I will say to all you scrambling queers out there, you are not scrambling in vain. Taylor Swift is not a straight. You can relax. That woman is not straight. If you are like, I need this one. You've got this one. You, ha- you have her. You have her. She
1: may not say very much about it.
2: Yeah, and maybe well. she will say more in the future. It kind of feels like she's gearing up to say more about it. But it's, lay, lay your burdens at my feet. She... Is not straight. But I will also say, if she didn't love, if she didn't really enjoy sex with men and relationships with men, why would she throw herself so enthusiastically into that pyre again and again and again?
1: Yeah. She's dated so many men who are the same type of douchebag. So
2: that's what I have for you. She is not straight, I promise you, but she is not gay. Those relationships were probably legitimate. Yeah. And you are probably never going to have sex with her (laughs) because that's just how celebrity works. Yes. I think we should all hope I'm going to set an intention. Let's all manifest that. I I would like to see her publicly linked to, because I do think, like, Lady Gaga loves to talk about, like, how sometimes she, like, fucks around with women. I don't think Lady Gaga is ever going to have, I don't think she's interested in a relationship with a woman. I don't think that's in her future. I just don't think that's her, like, bag. And that's her prerogative. Uh, right, yeah. But I I feel like that's, I feel like we could see that from Taylor Swift. And you can I. see the
1: timeline in which that happens.
2: Yeah. And I want that. I want that for all of us. I want that for I want that for you guys. OK.
1: I want to ask our usual questions, but I think the answer to the second one is obvious. Do you need to do this reading? Yes. No fucking yes, duh. You need to do this reading.
2: You should. Like you're only cheating yourself.
1: Uh, What class is it for, though?
2: Just like being alive
1: sure but i also do think that because there is this metatextual conversation with her and tom waits there is this fun
2: there is definitely something to be said about like americana it's a a different americana yeah it's like football games
1: and the prom and like at least in her earlier stuff homecoming and kind
2: of in her later stuff in a weird i was just thinking about how like One of my favorite songs off Lover is Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. And I think that's such a fun dystopian, it's like a fun house mirror for some of her earlier like high Mm -hmm. school songs. I'm just looking at my MISC page for like what other like random catch all thoughts. Oh my God. I wrote down at some point, I wrote down, I want to know if Taylor Swift thinks that Betty and James should get back to, like, should Betty take James back?
1: I'm going to say if indeed Betty and Cardigan are in conversation with one another and are two sides of the same story.
2: They are. She has said that's not that's not theory. That's
1: that's what she has said. I would say then taking them both together. No, I don't think she thinks that.
2: I think so, too. But I think that's I think that's really interesting writing because Betty comes second. And so it's like it's you sort of like root for it in the song. Mm -hmm. But then when you listen to Cardigan, it's like, yeah, no, no. This bitch has other options and you cut her too deep. Yeah, exactly. I just realized we talked this whole time and we never talked about why she's re-recording her music.
1: Oh, yeah. Which I think is fascinating. So- You go ahead. So my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that she worked with a record label for a long time that had all of her albums, had the rights to all of her songs, as most artists do and they sold her rights to a different recording company which wasn't bad in and of itself, but that recording company immediately turned around and sold the rights to all of her songs to an investment firm.
2: Okay, so I actually do think that part of the problem is that the who they sold it to initially before the investment firm was Scooter Braun and she just had personal beef with him. Like, I actually do think it's like more petty than that, but I don't know all the details, so I hesitate to chime in, but I just think that there's pettiness involved and I like, I just always like when she's petty.
1: That is fair. And I do know that there is at least one song Ronan which is on red that she wrote intentionally did not put on any of her albums she wrote it as like a benefit song and all the proceeds from that song were supposed to go to child cancer research but once the the investment firm bought the rights to the song they were like no those proceeds go to us now and so yeah and so she re-released the song on red so that the money could continue to go to cancer research So with that, I think we have to wrap up our journey into the heart of the Taylor Swift. Please do go listen if you haven't already. If you are already there, I hope that this has been fun for you to see us coming to join you at the Taylor Swift table.
2: Yeah, I I hope that if you know her stuff, like I hope that fresh ears were valuable to you. I think I'm a pretty, I think I'm a pretty like smart listener.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I think I pick up on stuff. Yeah. So I, I hope that even though I'm sure you could out lyrics me if you've been listening to her this whole time, I, I, I hope that I gave you something to think about that you hadn't thought about before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We will be back soon with more of our regular programming.
2: Yeah. More things that we actually don't know.
1: Yes. Um, and until then, like us, subscribe, rate us on iTunes and all other places where you find your podcasts. And until then, good night and good luck.